Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Giardo. Um, today's kind of a special day in Steeler lore. Troy Polamalu, uh, one of the greatest Steelers of all time, one of the greatest NFL players of all time, uh, turns 35 years young. He uh, His birthday was April 19th, 1981. So Troy Polamalu now is 35 years old. It's unbelievable how quick time goes. It's just, it seems like it was yesterday he was 22 years old and was a a uh, rookie in the Steelers' a defensive backfield. And uh, now he's in just four more years, so he'll be inducted uh, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So this podcast is dedicated to Troy Palomalu and his awesome career with Pittsburgh Steelers. Feel free to call in if you'd like, 619-924-9828, if you want to share any of your favorite memories of, of Troy Palomalu. But, you know, he, he, we don't do this for every NFL player, any, all the guys that have gone through the Steelers, but uh, – you know, Troy just was a special guy. You know, he was different. He was, uh, you know, guy the Steelers moved up for uh, considerably in the 2003 draft to get him. I believe they moved uh, over 10 spots to get him. They knew he was a special talent, and uh, they got him early in the 2003 draft and, and did not start uh, out great with the Steelers. Um, again, he was 16th overall pick back in 2003. Um, did not start a single game as a rookie. Only had one forced fumble. Uh, four pass defenses, two sacks, 30 tackles. But, man, that next year, 16 starts, five picks, a pick six against his old USC roommate, Carson Palmer of the Bengals, 14 passes defense, 67 tackles, an interception in the playoffs. The next year, 2005, all pro. Uh, you know, uh, didn't, the interceptions weren't as there. He had two. But he had a big touchdown against uh, the Packers in a big pivotal win up in Green Bay in 2005, uh, you know, with a big uh, lightning rod on the Steelers' uh, run to the Super Bowl that season, even though he didn't have that interception against Peyton Manning in the playoffs, in that playoff game that was wrongly overturned. He was all over the field in that game. He was all over the field against Denver the next week. And that kind of started the legend of Paul Malo. I mean, like I said, that was the first year he was named an All-Pro. So in 03 – He's drafted, never starts. 04, Pro Bowl. 05, Super Bowl champion, all pro. And from that point on, 06 to 08, three more Pro Bowls, another all pro nod, another Super Bowl title. 2008, with the diving interception in the playoffs, against, you know, with Phillip Rivers beating the Chargers. The next week, with the crazy 4 to one stop where he times the line of scrimmage and the snap perfectly to stop Joe Flacco in his track, something he would later do against Kerry Collins and uh, you know, Andy Dalton in 2012, late in his career. Uh, and then that pick six to send the Steelers to the Super Bowl. I mean, that that kind of – 2008 kind of put Paul Malu to, like, a legendary – Oh four, oh five. okay, this guy is a – you know, for this era, he's a great player for this little portion of Steeler lore, NFL lore. But then when you go through 06, 07, 08, and when 08 comes around, you, you say, okay, this is an all-timer. This is a Joe Green. This is a guy that's going to be – remembered forever. You know, when you're talking to your grandkids about what it was like to watch the Steelers in, uh, you know, 2000s, 2004 to 2010 or whatever, you know, you're talking about Troy Polamalu. And I think that's a cool thing that, that we look back on our time. You know, I wasn't alive in the 70s. So it's awesome when I got to hear my grandfather and people talk about uh, what it was like during, you know, Franco's Italian Army and what it was like to watch him as a rookie 
the Steelers really had never since John Henry Johnson did not have a polarizing running back. And, you know, Joe, you know, Franco did to the offense, the Steelers offense back then, what Joe Green did to the Steelers defense when he got there. He brought an attitude. He brought uh, an image. You know, he gave them legitimacy. Like, this is who we are. We're a tough, nasty defense. We've got a, an awesome front four. Because Elsie Greenwood came in that year, 2-69, and 69, and we are just going to pound you into submission. Even if we don't have all the talent now, we're going to keep bringing it. And Joe Green gave the Steelers defense an identity. That's what Franco did. And in a lot of ways, that's what Troy did to the Steelers defense was that if you took too many chances, I mean, if you look at the Steelers defense in the 2000s uh, when they were winning those Super Bowls and they had the number one ranked defense in the league a number of seasons with Dick LeBeau, um, you know, the thing about that defense was they had everything. They had good pass rushers. They had, uh, you know, Aaron Smith in the middle, you know, Casey Hampton. I mean, they had everything. I mean, uh, the linebackers were, were great, you know, with Joey Porter on the edge and James Ferry just being a stabilizer. and Larry Foote, you know, just, just one of those consummate pros. The Shea Towson who, who made timely plays, that big pick against Dallas in 08. But at the heart of it all was Paul Mollett. And the thing I loved about him was it was kind of like, you know, pick your poison. If you run the ball, you've got Casey Anthony blowing that up. If you try to throw short, you've got James Harrison and Timmons and Woodley and all those guys just lurking and waiting. And if you try to test the Steelers secondary and if you try to, to try to get one on them, you've got Paul Molly standing back there who the, was before his physical skills, you know, because he's one of those guys, mentally he never lost it. He was just as sharp. I mean, he was there. Physically, he beat himself up. I mean, he played – the safety position, like Ronnie Watt did, you know, a decade earlier, two decades earlier, he played tough and made no bones about it. I mean, he was a physical player that, again, got three sacks in a game against Tennessee in 2005. I mean, he jumped at the line of scrimmage. I mean, this was a Pittsburgh Steeler player, but he was also extremely cerebral, cerebral, extremely intelligent. And, you know, you look at that, that interception against Joe Flacco, that's just him reading the quarterback. A lot of those plays, it's just all on instinct, and, and everything that he did was just athleticism. And, and his, you know, he was such he was so in tune with the game of football that I, I don't think people give him enough credit for. I mean, he's probably one of the smartest football players of all time and definitely one of the smartest Steelers of all time. And so I think that's one reason why Paul Molle was so great was because, you know, in every game, if you're losing, you've got to take a chance if, if things aren't working. And I know – you look back at that. That I, I keep referring to that that uh, Raven Steeler game in '08, the championship game, just because I think that's just one of those. You know, that was maybe the greatest play to Palm all ever had. And he also had the fourth stumble against the Ravens two years later, which helped the Steelers up the division. But you know, in those games, sometimes like you know, Flacco was a rookie in 2008. He had no business, uh, you know, trying that deep throw that he did. You know, kind of on the other side of the field. But at some point, you you have to try to make a great play against a great player, and he tried to make one against Troy Polamalu, and uh, it just didn't work out. And, and Troy snuffed it in, he read it, and what do great players do when they take and they see an opportunity? They seize it, and they, they thrive in those moments, and Troy did. And he took the interception, took it to the house, and the Steelers went on and, and won the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, when you look back on his career interceptions or career statistics in total, I mean, this guy has everything you want. I'm, I'm counting uh, right now, one, two, three, four, five, I mean, eight, Pro Bowl nods, four All-Pro appearances in 12 seasons. Uh, you know, and, and I think personally one of the 
Okay, so 2010, he was the defensive player of the year. He had seven interceptions, the touchdown again. He picked off Carson Palmer. Once again, you know, 49 tackles helped the Steelers get to Super Bowl 45. But to me, I think one of the best seasons for Paul Amalu, besides 2010, because in 2009 he only played in five games. So to go from, from only playing in five games to going back to all-pro status in 2010 and 11 was pretty remarkable. But then if you look at 2013, where now he's 32, and he only played in seven games in 2012, and for him to start all 16 games, to get back to Pro Bowl status, I thought it was a cool season, too. So you kind of look from, like, top to bottom. You know, Troy had a great career. You know, he was able to do everything um, in his 12 seasons in the NFL. And, you know, it it, it stinks because I feel like a lot of people, me included, wish it would have ended better. You know, I I last year thought they should have brought him back for one more year. And I may be blind to that, that maybe he had lost it. I'm not sure. Personally, I think if you give Troy Paul Molly one more season – because I just saw what he did the previous two years when he missed most of the season. You know, he missed most of 09. He came back and was a, was a you know, all-pro guy the next two years. Uh, when he was injured again, he came back in 2013 and had another strong season. It was, an, was a pro bowler again. So, to me, I know he was older, but I think at 34 years old, knowing that, hey, this might be my last go-around, I think Troy would have had a really good season. And I think he would have been a really good safety for our team last year. That's just, you know, my opinion. and. uh you know, I, I think I think he deserved to have one more year to go out on his own terms. But the Steelers didn't agree with that, and it is what it is. And now Troy is gone, and uh, I mean, he's definitely retired now. He's not coming back, and, and I'm sure he's happy, and he's he's moved on with his life. But um, but I think that aside, I mean, everybody has a time where they have to go, and and in no way did he have a short career. Again, 12 seasons is is a long time. But you know, you look back at, at some of the other great players and. We're talking about Troy Palmolive if you're joining this podcast late. You know, all of the Steelers' great players had their own kind of uh, niche or personality. You know, Lambert was the tough guy that didn't let anybody intimidate the Steelers. You know, Joe Green, was he just set the tone. He just set everything that the Steelers did. He was the first guy that came to the team and was like, I'm not going to be a part of losing. I want to win Super Bowls. And if you're not with me, you're getting it. You're getting out. And Chuck Noll was the same way. I mean, Joe Green was Chuck Knoll on the football field. There's no there's no four rings without Joe Green. And then you look at, you know, more of the modern-day guys. You know, Heinzler was the smiling assassin. You know, Bettis was the bulldozing leader, uh, just that, that powerful punishing running back. Troy just brought an electrifying thing to the defense that they had never had before in any era. I mean, you even look at the, the 70s. I mean, Mel Blunt had tons of interceptions. Still the Steelers' leader in interceptions, but – I just don't remember a lot of, of those unbelievable physical acrobatic plays that Paul Malu made. It was almost like Paul Malu was like like the Lynn Swan of the Steelers' defense in the 2000s, where Lynn Swan would just make these amazing catches where you go, how did he do that? And they were always in big moments. And Paul Malu would do that for the defensive side. He would just make these plays. I wrote something earlier today, you know, what is your favorite Troy Paul Malu moment? Everybody's is different because there were so many good ones. It kind of became a point, I don't remember what year, I think it was 2006, they're playing the Falcons, and Michael Vick tries this pass in, in Atlanta. The Steelers lose this game. But Paul Mala makes this amazing tight-roping sideline interception. And I remember just sitting there thinking, this is in his fourth year, I remember thinking, we're getting used to this. Like, this is normal now. 
Because I think before that play, I was thinking we need something to happen, and Troy just did that. And you just think, this is normal now. We are getting used to seeing greatness. That's what a Hall of Famer is to me. It's when you expect them to make plays no one else can make whenever you need it. And they routinely do almost every time. You know what I mean? Like, like you think about the AFC Championship game in 08. We need Troy. We need something to happen. Troy did something twice. Um, the week before against San Diego, we need something to sew this thing up. And Troy brought it. You know, 2010 against the Ravens, late in that game, we're trailing. Uh, regular season game in Baltimore. Troy forces a fumble, which leads to the go-ahead points. I mean, it was just – and there's plays I'm missing now that, that I'm not even thinking of. It's just he made – the unbelievable plays and the plays that we needed, he made those things look routine. That's not a Hall of Fame. And it led to winning championships. It wasn't like, oh, well, that got us into the playoffs. That got us to nine wins. or what? No, those won Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Super Bowls, he didn't do a lot. I know he was injured in his first one and played through it. But you got to remember, too, with the Super Bowls a lot of times, you know, Joe Green had a great Super Bowl in Super Bowl nine, and I don't even know – his statistics, the other three. I know he had a sack and a forced fumble on Staubach in Super Bowl thirteen. Jack Ham didn't even play in Super Bowl fourteen. Jack Lambert was injured uh, for most of Super Bowl nine and wasn't much of a factor. So, yeah, I mean, Troy's Super Bowls are, I don't want to say forgettable, but it wasn't like he did anything amazing. But his presence just out there does something to the opposing team. You know, teams will throw away from him. He takes away a part of the field, kind of like Deion Sanders did. I know Deion played cornerback, but – and then obviously Mel Blunt at cornerback for the Steelers. You know, it Troy just took things away from defenses that they just wouldn't even try. And I think that's even in those Super Bowls where there's no amazing Troy Palomalo Super Bowl play that I can think of offhand. Again, just his presence, him being out there, did a lot for our team. And I think those things also can't be forgotten. And I think that again, when you get to a Super Bowl teams, especially if you're a defensive player, teams try to do things away from you because obviously they know you're great. So teams either attack you like Flacco did in the previous games and got fooled. Like, you know, I'm sure Kurt Warner was watching Joe Flacco throw interceptions to Troy and thinking, okay, well, and Phillip Rivers and thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to attack this guy. And if you watch a lot of that film, I mean, Troy is, is on the other side of the field kind of coming in late a lot of times. So, you know, that's just, that's just how it was. But, uh, you know, it's it's just it's a it's a cool thing when you look back on a guy that had a great career and there's there's nothing that you can just say okay he did this this and this but he but he didn't do this. You know, I look at at, at Rod Woodson. You know, seventy uh, fifth Steelers All Anniversary Team, all the Pro Bowls, all the All Pros, ninety three Defensive Player of the Year, and then no Super Bowl with us that he won, and he didn't finish his career here. So it's kind of like man, you know, great career, you know, but he didn't, he didn't, you know, there's, there's just some things missing on the resume, um, which is nitpicky because Rod Woodson, there's nothing missing on his career resume um, after, you know, what happened after he left. Greg Lloyd really comes to mind. You know, his first nine years in Pittsburgh, I mean, that guy was, you know, five Pro Bowls in a row, three All-Pros in a row from 93 to 95. Has an injury in 96 week one, is never the same player. So, yeah, and then didn't win a Super Bowl ring. So, there's just kind of like that, that, yeah, but with Troy, there's nothing like that. Played 12 years, eight Pro Bowls, four All-Pros, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, two-time Super Bowl winner, and made all the made all those memorable plays that, that we still talk about. It's just like there's nothing. And for me, when people 
you know, he retired last year. A lot of people were nitpicking. I don't think anybody debates that he's a Hall of Fame player, that there can't be a debate. You know, like right now, people are debating Ben. I think there's very little debate. I don't think there is one. There's even less. Like there's a 2% debate. Like if, if Ben Roethlisberger is like a 97, 98% Hall of Famer, Troy Palmolo is like 99, whatever, like an infinity a Hall of Famer. And I think it's just like he's absolutely an all-pro, too, in my mind. And again, when you're a pro bowler for eight years, that means you are one of the best at your position for nearly an entire decade. And when you're a four-time All-Pro, that means that you are the best at what you do for nearly a half decade. And I don't like to put all, all the stock into Pro Bowls and All-Pros, but, but that does go a little bit of a weight with me, especially if you've been able to rack up a nice, consistent amount of them. Because it really does show that, that your coaches and peers really think that highly of you. And, that, again, they're the ones that are have to play against you, and they're the ones that have to coach against you. So they're, you're getting that respect from them. I think it's cool. Again, a lot of people don't put stock into those things, but I look at it. It's not the end-all, be-all. Just like statistics are end-all, be-all for me. But, you know, it's just, it's just cool because he, he in my mind, again, he he's a first-bout Hall of Famer. And I think that the thing, again, the, the enduring impact of Troy is that we want another player like him thinks is that there will not be one. But again, there was never another Mel Blunt. There was never we've never had a six three physical cornerback that just beats down receivers with no remorse. You know, he was the first and he was the last. You know, Mel Mel Blunt was it. Um but you know we've had other great corners. You know, Carnell Lake switched to corner and was great. You know, and uh Ike Taylor was was serviceable. He was fine. He was solid. Uh he helped us win Super Bowls. You know, uh, obviously we had Rod Woodson so you know, there's definitely been other, you know, Steeler cornerbacks that have come and gone. And, again, they're not Mel Blunt, but, again, there's there's only one of him, and there's only one of Paul Mollett. But that doesn't mean we can't try to find someone that can have an impact like him. And maybe there is someone out there that, that we can find that's going to come in and, and is going to hopefully have the same impact and help us do the same things that, that Troy helped us do. And that, And that's the hope. But – that's also the cool thing is knowing that we've already seen someone like that and knowing what how good it can be, and that gives you an idea for what the Steelers are looking for now. Like the Steelers are trying to find him; they won't, but they're trying. And the, but but you know, and they know full well they're probably not going to find another Troy Polamalu, but they're looking for someone that can make that same impact. You know, and that and that's the amazing thing. And that's the you know that's that's the, that's the main thing about Polamalu is he just captured the imagination of of, of sports fans that. You saw things that you normally didn't see. I mean, that interception of Philip Rivers, that little fingertip thing. I mean, he just – call luck, but if you keep doing weird things like that constantly, that just shows you're really good, you know. And he was. I mean, he was a great player. And, uh, you know, obviously we haven't really touched on this much as we're paying homage to Troy on his 35th birthday. Can you ask for a better guy to represent the team? You know, he's one of those guys. I know Cowboy fans, you know, the old school ones, they love Roger Staubach and people are like, oh, you'll never find a skeleton in his closet and whatever, whatever. You can say the same thing about Paul Mollo. I mean, he's one of those guys that when you look at the book on him, no one has a bad thing to say about him, maybe opposing quarterbacks. Like, you know, Ed Reed and Troy Paul who had this, this rivalry for who's the best safety of their time, which I always thought was absurd because Ed was a free safety and Troy was a strong safety. So what was wrong with saying, okay, well, Troy's the best strong safety and Ed's the best free safety and this is how it is. People always debated them. And Ed and Troy always had 
whenever they spoke about each other publicly, nothing but respect for each other. And I love that. And that just showed the kind of guy Troy was. You know, he, I mean, especially, you know, when Ben was going through his issues earlier in his career, you always saw Troy walk up before games and hug him and and try to encourage him. And he was all professional. For Troy, it was all about, you know, I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be my, you know, I'm going to be me. You know, when Joey Porter was was swearing and getting the guys hyped up in the huddle, you, you never saw Troy jump in. But he would be right there. He'd be in the middle of it. He'd be quiet. You know, he just wouldn't say anything. And that's, I mean, that's another thing about Troy, that that Troy, his leadership, I think, is really missed by the team. But I also think it's carried on because, you know, in in the Lawrence Timmons and the Cameron Haywoods, like, there's just a quiet confidence that you have to have as a leader. And Troy always did that. I mean, Troy didn't talk big, but he carried a big stick, meaning that, you know, he just, he just led by his actions. And, you know, when you go to training camp and you see a guy that's going to go to the Hall of Fame and he's going all out and he's doing all the right things and he's not skipping wind sprints and he's going through all the repetitions everybody else is going through and he's not complaining, he's not loafing and holding his helmet, you know, between his knees, he's into it. What can you do if you're a fifth-round pick just trying to make the team or you're a guy that, that you know, is trying to get that contract? You're like, man, I need to up it. I need to bring it. Troy Palomalo is bringing it. You know, that, and that, that's what he did. I mean, he always was a professional. And he always, he never made excuses. I mean, he was hurt a lot, never made excuses. And if you want to say one thing about Antoine Blake, I'll say that about him. He did not make excuses for, for why he played poorly down, you know, during, you know, down some stretches last year. But that's neither here nor there. But Troy was the same way. I mean, he never made excuses, never said, oh, man, I'm banged up, I'm tired. You know, I, you know, I'm in my 12th season, and I'm just trying to make it. He never said stuff like that. And, you know, he just, you know, also, too, all the community stuff he did, all the charity work he did in the city, you know, he really just embodied what being a Pittsburgh Steeler was all about. You know, he, he was really into the community, and I know he still is, Um you know, he just he's just one of those guys. He's in the Polynesian Hall of Fame. He inspires people in Pittsburgh, but we're just a small part of the you know, the foundation of people that he's touched. I mean, the people in, in Polynesia, uh you know, the people at USC that you know that he played, you know, people that he played with and for there, obviously us. And and every NFL team, although there's one NFL team, their fan base doesn't like him. I mean, even Bengal fans, even Raven fans, they're like, man, that was a bad dude. I mean, he was a, a good player. He's a great player. He was a player that people enjoyed watching, even if he was doing things against against you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few of my favorite Troy Palmolive plays, and I hope while we've been doing this, you've had a chance to kind of think about yours. I think my favorite play, there's two, there's two that come to mind above them all. Well, actually, I'll just give you two because I could keep going. One of them is the Denver game, 2005 AFC Championship game. And in that game, early, the Steelers, the Steelers blow out uh, the Broncos. They win that one 34-17. But Jake Plummer runs a screen pass. It may have been to Mike Anderson. I can't remember who it was to exactly. And Troy splits two blocks and gets right to Anderson as he's falling down and just sticks his arm out and trips him up. Like, this is a guy that, you know, if you watch the play, when the Bronco running back gets the ball on the screen, he has two blockers in front of him, and then there's Paul Malu. And somehow, 
Kamal was able to get by both of them, gets hit, is falling backwards and just sticks out his arm and just flips him. And he did something like that later in the game, right around the goal line, and gets up and just kind of does the incomplete sign. And you just you just think, in both those instances, this guy is un, it is insane. This guy's unbelievable. And this is a week after he terrorized Manning and the Colts. You're like, this guy is on, on a level that I've never seen a safety play, a free safety, or strong safety especially. So that's one of those moments. The other one was the game against Carson Palmer and the Bengals when he had that first pick six of his career in 04. Because that was the season, 2004, where you're getting the feeling that the Steelers might be on their way to doing something special. That was Ben's rookie year when they were winning all those games. And, yeah, Troy wasn't a rookie, but I kind of looked at him as one that year because, you know, he – I would almost look at his rookie year as almost like a senior season at USC. You know, he just – he didn't start any games, and, and, and the Steelers really did a good job kind of, kind of slowly, you know, bringing him into things. But that season, it was just, you know, full foot on the gas. When he made that interception against Carson Palmer, it made you think, man, like our offense is starting to click. And if this guy keeps making plays like this, we really could do something awesome. And it was just it was just cool because it wasn't just like he made an interception. He got that ball, and right away he was thinking, I'm going to the house, and broke tackles. And it was just the veracity of the run and the cutbacks and ultimately the touchdown that just made you think, this guy thinks differently. He's not out to just make a nice play. He's out to – like, when he has his hands on, on the ball, he's taking full advantage of it because he gets that these always aren't just going to come to him. And it, as it turned out, he made a career out of making plays like that and forcing quarterbacks to try to not make plays against him like that. And that's my – those are my two favorite memories of him. And obviously the Charger interception and the Kerry Collins tackle and all those other things are also, you know, great memories. But – you know, those plays to me just, just stick out, especially that Bengals one, because it was just like it just showed you what this team could become on both sides of the ball. I mean, you have – I mean, you argue who the best <clears throat> best dealers are <clears throat> over the last decade or so, and I would say it's either it's either uh, Big Ben or Paul or uh, Paul Mollo. And I, you can make I, – I, I would, I guess, give the slight edge to Troy only because – you know, he, he was just extremely different. Ben is a great quarterback, and in his own right, is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I don't want to say has cast from, he's cast from the shadows of, of, of Bradshaw. But they, they played in a different eras. Bradshaw had a different team. It's all different. At the end of the day, Bradshaw has four rings to, to Ben's two, but I think Ben's the best postseason passer in Steeler history. I think Ben's the best regular season quarterback in Steeler history. I don't think it's close. Either either. Either one. I mean, I think you could argue Ben more for the postseason. But look at Terry's – again, it's a different year, but look at Terry's completion percentage yards, such as everything in the regular season, Ben's got him. Again, different eras. So, you know, I don't like really to compare that, those two. But, you know, but at least with, with Ben, there's other quarterbacks you can compare him to. There's other people you can compare him to. Who can you compare Paul Malu to? I mean, Donnie Schell was great, but he wasn't – and he was a hard hitter, and he had different attributes. Like – you can compare him to Paul Malu by saying they're both great single cornerbacks. That's it. I've never seen a safety play the way Troy Paul Malu played. Again, Ronnie Lott was a hard hitter and showed some of the characteristics, but no one had that grace. No one had that uh, physicality mixed with that athleticism. Like, he just – he had it all. He had it all, and that's why we're doing this podcast on him. 
and that's why Steeler fans continue to revere him. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, and I'll kind of leave it at this. You know, when Troy came in in 2003, uh, my parting thoughts here, Steeler fans were hard on him. I remember him getting booed uh, that first season, his rookie year when the Steelers were 6-10, and 10. ironically the last losing season the Steelers have had. And I remember people being pretty down on him. And then the very next year, you know, the guy had five interceptions and made the first of eight Pro Bowls, and the next year helped us win a Super Bowl. Um, and now is retired as one of the greatest Steelers ever, one of the, arguably the greatest free safety in league history. It just makes you – I'm sorry, strong safety. It just makes you think, though – you know, give this new generation of Steeler players a chance. That's that's my biggest two cents because, you know, last year, you know, we, we've totally transitioned away. You save a few players. We've totally transitioned away from the 2000 Steeler defenses that helped us win all those championships, the Farriers, the Taylors, the Hamptons, the Smiths. Um, they're all gone. You know, they're all gone. I mean, even James Harrison now, he's not – he'll never be the – the, the feature spotlight player of our defense. Like, that's never going to happen again. So, you know, so I guess with, with that being said is, yeah, are they, are they the same dominant group? No, but, but give them a chance because you never know. I mean, you never know what, what this group could do. And, I mean, they were 11th in scoring defense last year, third in sacks, six interceptions. You know, they did give up a lot of yards. But in large, you know, this was an exciting team to watch, and they certainly made strides during the season. So, for the guys we bring in, you know, we still have um, Senquez Golson, who didn't play much last season. Let's let's get behind these guys and give them a chance, and let's support them, and let's show them the same support that, that a lot of us showed Troy and a lot of those guys when they were starting out. Because no one, very few people will start out their first year and are like Roethlisberger. I mean, Antonio Brown caught 16 passes as a rookie during his rookie regular season. I mean, Hines Ward wasn't – he was kind of a forgettable player as a rookie. So a lot of times you just got to give these guys a chance. You know, no one's going to be Paul Molly right off the bat. No one will probably ever be Paul Molly, but they can make their impact too as long as we give them a chance. So that's kind of my thing as we as we look at the 2016 season. You know, we definitely got to demand more from our defense than we got last year. I mean, 30th and, and passing yards allowed is just not going to get it done. But you know, let, let's support these guys and, and let's hope that they one day can do some of the things that Troy did, and and that's help get the Steelers back to prominence as the NFL's best team. So that'll wrap up uh, this tribute to Troy Polamalu. We hope you enjoyed it. And you know, for all of us Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports, happy birthday, Troy. Enjoy your 35th, and we'll be back with more Steeler news and more Steeler podcasts in the days to come.